beautiful humans, welcome to the Lotus Minded Podcast. My name is Reina and I am your host. I am a yoga and meditation teacher, holistic nutritionist, spiritual mentor, and writer. This podcast is a sacred channel to hold space for stories of strength and hope. Together, we will explore how incredible human beings have alchemized their pain into their purpose. We will learn about the pathways that they took to turn their poison into medicine and how they share their unique forms of healing with the world today. This podcast is called Lotus Minded because lotus flowers, the most beautiful and radiant flowers, only blossom from dark and murky swamps. Authentic beauty only comes from moving through our pain and using it as fuel for deep healing, evolution, and service. We will showcase the various forms of spirituality, science, and psychology that humans have used for both personal and collective healing. We will demonstrate how to validate trauma without becoming a forever victim to it and reveal steps that you can take to adopt a mindset of compassion, faith, and growth. In other words, steps that you can take to become lotus-minded. Press play and allow yourself to learn, unlearn, and expand. See you on the other side. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to the Lotus Minded Podcast. Today is episode three, starring the incredible Stephanie Adler. I am so grateful for those of you who are tuning in for the first time or for those of you who are returning listeners. I am just so blessed to have you on this journey. Um... So before I get into talking about this episode and Stephanie, I wanted to share my Lotus lesson of the week. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, my Lotus lesson of the week is an obstacle that I faced that I was able to turn into an opportunity for deeper healing or growth or evolvement. Evolvement? (laughs) Is that a word? I don't know. I'm really tired. I'm recording this right now at night and I really should be recording these things in the morning because at night it's 8 p.m. right now and I am just ready for bed but I needed to get this in. So anyway, my Lotus lesson of the week was Last Wednesday, I was supposed to go on a romantic getaway slash vacation with my partner, Canyon. Part of my Christmas present was that he bought us tickets to go to Las Vegas um, because our friend was 
supposed to be living there um, for this time of year for a few months. And little did we know that same friend is currently staying with us. He didn't end up staying in Vegas and it looks like he's actually going to be staying in Boulder for a bit of time now. But neither here nor there, we had these tickets booked. And even though our friend was going to be staying with us, we still wanted to go on this trip to Vegas. All the flights were booked, the hotels, um, the rental car. We had all these like day trips planned to go see all of the incredible nature around Las Vegas. I had never been. Um, And we also had tickets to see Silk Sonic. But on Wednesday afternoon, I was working remotely from home. And after like three back-to-back meetings, Canyon opened my door. We were supposed to leave that afternoon and he opened the door and said they canceled our flights because of weather number one lesson sorry spirit airlines but just not reliable they really aren't reliable they canceled like two hours before our flight so we were not going anymore and there were no other flights going out for the rest of like for until it would have been the end of our trip so we had to try to get refunds back on everything didn't quite work out um but so anyway that was a bummer right we were really excited to go on this trip together to explore a new place that we had never been together and um yeah it was a bummer but my lotus lesson was the next day I was able to go into the office I was supposed to be in Vegas but because we weren't traveling anymore I was able to go into the office at CU Boulder where I work and for those of you who don't know I'm the collegiate recovery coordinator at CU Boulder so basically my job is to support college students in their recovery from self-harm from addiction eating disorders substance use all the all the things so I got to go in and there was a new student who came into the center that day that I got to meet. Um, I got to connect with her and support her and spend a few hours with her that day. And um, I won't get, you know, dive in too much to the details, but it was a really, really meaningful encounter. And if I had been in Vegas, right, I wouldn't have gotten to meet her when she was so new. And I'm really grateful that we formed that beautiful connection. So um, my lesson was, right, like, yeah, it can be a huge bummer when your vacation gets canceled and, and things like that don't work out. But to really trust God, because like God wanted me to be in this, um, in the recovery center that day to be there to connect with the student. Um, it was just really beautiful. And I'm really grateful. Um, okay, so let's get into this episode. So I interview Stephanie Adler. Stephanie is a certified nutrition consultant, a woman's hormone and fertility expert, and a wellness coach. Her practice focuses on supporting those with cycling bodies and balancing their hormones, healing their guts, and all things baby making. She is immensely passionate about giving women the knowledge and tools that they need to thrive in the modern world, and she recently created a certificate training program to help other coaches to do the same. So when Stephanie is not supporting clients, you can find her on a pottery wheel making moon mugs, 
hiking or reading a historical fiction novel and she gives us some pretty awesome historical fiction recs later in the episode. I'm so excited for you to listen to this. We dive into so many topics including cycle syncing versus being cycle informed, the four phases of a woman's cycle and how women operate on the infradian rhythm versus the circadian rhythm that men are on and how if when women learn about the architecture of their cycle and the four phases that they go through they can really tap into this superpower of of being a cycling human and we talk all about like the varying nutritional needs movement needs emotional spiritual needs relationship needs throughout the cycle and just so much more and for those of you who are like what are you talking about just stay with me we explain everything in the episode but I found out about um, the power of my menstrual cycle when I was around 22 and although that's still very young um as opposed to many women who find out in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, I, I'm really mad that this isn't part of our education system and that girls aren't learning this when they're 11 or 12, when they're about to start menstruating um, or any, any person who menstruates. Because when you learn how to live in sync or informed by the four stages of your menstrual cycle, the menstrual phase, follicular phase, ovulation phase, and luteal phase, you truly learn how to like set yourself up for optimal, I don't even know, like you learn how to set yourself up to live optimally, to live in, in tune with your natural rhythm so that you can really make the most of all parts of yourself, right? And learning like how different parts of you come out at different phases of your cycle and what's really going on like spiritually and biologically so I think this is a must listen to for any person that has a menstrual cycle and I also think this is a must listen to for partners of people who have a menstrual cycle because my partner always knows where I am in our cycle and this has been super super helpful for our relationship because a woman's brain changes 25% throughout a menstrual cycle throughout four weeks about so our right like different parts of ourselves are coming out and it really helps when your partner is on board with like what parts of you need more attention and nurturance and care and like how to do that in partnership so Highly recommend that partners listen to this even if you don't have a cycle as well. And yeah, in this episode we really dive into Stephanie's personal lotus journey and how she turned her pain to purpose in this area and her struggles with being on hormonal birth control and all of the harm that that caused and how she reversed that harm into healing and learned how to nurture her body as a woman and her cycle and how she turned this into her greatest superpower and now helps other people with cycling bodies to learn how to do the same so super super inspiring to know that even if right like you didn't know about 
the cycling nature of the female body you are able to heal at any stage it's never too late and there's so many things that you can do using food as medicine and herbs and movement and lifestyle practices to help reverse any harm that may have been done through um, hormonal birth control or any other factors that separated you from connecting to um, your cycle Um, please 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 rate review and subscribe subscribe to this episode to this sorry it's literally so late for me even though it's 808 (laughs) rate review and subscribe to lotus find it and what would be just most meaningful to me is if this episode meant something to you if you got any golden nuggets from it if you just want to dm me and let me know that would mean so much and if you want to send it to a loved one or friend or family member who you think could also benefit I would be so grateful. Let me know what you think and enjoy. Hi, Raina. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, love. Thank you so much for being here. I have been so excited for this conversation for the last several weeks since we booked, and you are truly just a wealth of wisdom and inspiration, and following you and your content has like truly changed my perspective on myself, my cycle, my body. So thank you so much for the work you share with the world and and for being here. Yeah, it's my pleasure, and I'm so so happy to hear that. I think that, you know, it's one of those things where the more women we can get this knowledge and this information in the hands of, in the bodies of, and really uh, spread this, this wisdom, the, the world is going to change in like radically beautiful, transformative ways. And so um, to know that the content is going out there and that we have an opportunity to share this with women who listen and tune into your podcast today really excites me. Beautiful. And yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Like my only regret with this information is that I didn't have it sooner. And I think we share similar missions in that respect, just for as many young menstruating people who can hear this and, and learn that there's another way to approach life. Um, that's my, one of my big goals. So thank you for again, just like also doing this incredible work. Um, so yeah, I would love to start just by you introducing yourself, who you are, where do you live in the world, and what do you do for your beautiful work, which we kind of just touched on, but go ahead. Totally. So my name is Stephanie Adler, Stephanie with an F, um, and <laughs> I live in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I'm originally from. I took a 10-year hiatus uh, lived in Tel Aviv, lived in California, lived on the East Coast of New York and DC, and I'm now back home in Atlanta. I live here with my husband. And yeah, the work that I do feels like, you know, 
it's interesting because when I, like when I reflect back on that 10 year journey, like it feels like something I was always meant to do and like needed to come home Mm -hmm. to and has been a journey over the past five years of um, when I've really been practicing. But so my background is in conflict resolution. I actually Mm -hmm. have an undergraduate degree in conflict resolution and political science. And I do say I use the conflict resolution every day and I'm so grateful for it. (laughs) You know, back when I was get going for my first degree, my mom was like, you should be a nutritionist. And I was like, shut up, mom. You know, you can't know anything about me because I was 18 and totally whatever. Um, but of course she was right. And so then I came and got a second degree in nutrition. And so that's what my, uh, educational background is in, is in holistic nutrition. But as I primarily practice with women who are looking to balance their hormones, who want to improve their fertility, Mm -hmm. women who are ready to reclaim sovereignty over their body and become experts over their own body. And so I have, you know, training as a birth doula, I work as a fertility coach, but primarily work in everything as it relates to the female body with diet, lifestyle, and sometimes supplements and other lifestyle pieces. Incredible. I love all of the work you do so much. And, you know, I was just listening to one of your prior podcasts in preparation. And something I love that you said is, right, like, of course, you work with women who want to conceive in the near future and helping to help them improve fertility through diet and lifestyle and all of that. But like something you also really highlight that I appreciate is for people who aren't ready to conceive or who never even want to conceive, right, like tapping into your power as a menstruating woman is also like one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself. And even if you never intend to right move into pregnancy or motherhood, syncing your lifestyle with the cycles, that in itself is such a gift. And I love that you also really teach women how to do that, regardless of if they want to have babies or not. Yeah, absolutely. And just one thing to layer on that is your fertility matters, even if you never desire children. Like your fertility Mm -hmm. is it's like kind of like a report card for like what else is going on in your body. And when we're improving fertility, for the most part, what we're doing is we're improving cellular health. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're working on someone's fertility, it's really about just like your overall health in, in your internal body. And to, to ignore that just because you don't want kids is really doing you a disservice as a woman in this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've described it as being like a fifth vital sign, right? Almost like the how your fertility is showing up in your body. So beautiful. So I would love to kind of pivot and go back in time a little bit, because as you know, this is a podcast about people, how, how people have turned their pain into their purpose, right? How they have evolved through their own obstacles. And you truly embody this so much to me. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about going back through childhood and adolescence, what obstacles you came up against and how that kind of allowed you to move onto your path of healing and helping other people heal. And I know this starts for you like in infancy. Totally. Um, Yeah. So let's start with when I was a baby. Um, (laughs) So my entire childhood, infancy to adolescence, I was the kid with a stomach ache. And actually, it's so funny because I was looking through old pictures 
I don't know, maybe a year ago and, you know, like old family photos. And there's a picture of me off in the corner and I'm like, my arms are crossed and I'm all pouty faced and I look just like so sad. And I know that it was probably because of my stomach hurt and my stomach just always hurt. And I went to doctor after doctor and they ran test after test and no answers. You have IBS here, take this medication. Oh, sorry. The medication you know, the side effects are worse than, you know, the actual pain, or it doesn't actually do what it's supposed to do. And was so uh, disillusioned by the time I was like 13, you know, with the system. So at the time I had, there's also another little piece of this here, which we're going to bring in in a second, where my, um, on my mom's side of the family, one of my aunts really struggled with endometriosis and with infertility. And so when I was around 12, I think 11 or 12, when I got my period, I went to the gynecologist and had really painful periods. And the gynecologist put me on birth control because she was like, that's the solution to all your problems. Here you go. We didn't really know any better. So around the time I was 12 or 13, I think it was after my bonuses. So I was 13. Um, I went off of gluten because my aunt's friend of a friend went off of it and it really helped her, even though it's like, it's so funny. Like it was this thing none of us had ever even heard of. There was like five gluten-free crackers at, you know, Whole Foods that all like cardboard. Um, and the doctors had said that that wasn't going to help me because I wasn't celiac and they had tested me for that, Mm -hmm. but I was so desperate to feel better that I was like, I'll try anything. And so within three months, Mm -hmm. since I'd been having for approximately 13 years went away. And so I became really, really in awe of how food can be medicine, of how food can be a catalyst for dis-ease in our bodies, and really started to take back control over my own health, my own well-being. Fast forward 10 years later, I'm back in school for nutrition. Um, My mom was right all along, and I am realizing okay, I'm really mindful about what I put in my body. My gut is pretty good, but like, I'm still more anxious than I want to be. And also like, why didn't I think about the fact that I've been putting synthetic hormones in my body for 10 years? Like Mm -hmm. what would happen if I go off of it? When I went off of the birth control pill, I didn't have a period for six months. And then it was quite irregular after that. And I, because Uh, becoming a mother one day is very important to me. I felt really concerned about not understanding what was happening. And so I decided to learn everything I could about the female hormone cycle um, and just women's bodies as it relates to our hormones and really learned so much about what was happening in my body, what is happening to women's bodies all the time who take hormonal birth control and how, um, and really how there's like no long-term studies on it. And it's been quite a journey in and of itself. And like you said, turning pain into power. Now my period is like my favorite thing about me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Well, that is all just such, so beautiful, such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's crazy. I've had a very similar journey. Like I was the baby with stomach issues, having stomach issues throughout elementary school, having to leave school, doctors, tests, no clear answer. I mean, for me, I think a lot of it was like stress and childhood trauma and right. That's just how my body dealt with it. Um, 
but but being the kid at like bat, I talked about bat mitzvahs and having stomach aches and like being that 13 year old was just really painful emotionally and I'm curious for you how kind of growing up with chronic stomach aches and doctors constantly saying we don't know this is just IBS pill no new pill how that affected you emotionally and your sense of self-worth wow that's a great question um you know I think it's a little hard for me to say I think what I felt most frustrated with and I'm having such a you know, there's, there's certain things you remember from when you're a kid because you don't remember everything as well, right? And so the memories that stick out are like, I'm always curious why. Like, why does this memory stick out so much? Yeah. And there's one that I remember when I was at the doctor's office. I was probably like 10. And mm-hmm. I had been, one of the reasons why I was there is I was like so stressed out because I was having diarrhea, like, all the time. And it felt really like embarrassing, you know, like it was like, I would just be at school and like, or a a friend's house or whatever. And I remember going to the doctor and complaining about it. And my gastro at this point was like starting to get really fed up with me. Right. Because they had given me the pills. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They're like, Oh, she's back again. And I remember her saying, you know, her saying like, my goal is to get you going to the bathroom at the same time every day. I don't care if it's diarrhea or not. Like she was just like, I don't like, like, I don't care. I just want you to go at the same time every day. So, And I get why she was saying it because she didn't want me to be Mm -hmm. anxious about going at school or going wherever. Like, but I remember that feeling of like, I don't care if it's this way. And like, I think that is something that I've come back to so many times over the past several years. I mean, several being my whole life, past 20 years. And I think I never thought about it in a way of self-worth, but I think that that experience really like communicated to me that your doctors actually don't really care. And like, if you want to get better, you need to be the person who is in charge of that. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that experience. I, I can totally resonate with that. And I love how you write like, channel this very specific instance um, that I think so many of us can relate to and feeling like we're struggling and we're suffering and we go to this professional just wanting to feel better, wanting like to have these basic needs met and just feeling like they have five minutes to see you. They don't, they can't really care. They don't really care. And right for me, like that translated into this feeling of like, I'm too much. I'm a burden. I'm too much. And I think right, kind of pivoting to women's health and the menstrual cycle. I think that's another thing that like women constantly hear and especially starting when they start menstruating at 12, 13, 14, whatever. This is, you're now going to be too much when you're on your period. You're going to be bitchy. Like this is a bad thing. And so I'm curious for you also around this time, I know you went on the birth control pill quickly after you got your period, but like some of those societal or professional messages you heard and internalized about what it was to be a woman and having a body that might be like, quote unquote, too much. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that experience, Raina. You know, it's, it's one that I think is unfortunately not unique um, when Mm -hmm. it comes to women's health and it comes to young girls, like understanding about their bodies. I do feel relatively fortunate to have had I mean, like I said, I did go on the birth control pill relatively 
soon after I got my period. Um, so I wasn't actually menstruating and like, you know, the full capacity right. for, for a decade. Um, I feel pretty fortunate and that like I grew up in a household where it was totally appropriate to talk about it. Like I remember my dad going and buying us tampons and like, you know, not being embarrassed about that. And I remember, you know, being at school and, you know, someone bleeding through her skirt and, you know, not feeling like uncomfortable or embarrassed to talk to her about it. Like I, I feel very fortunate and maybe it was a little bit of like a foreshadowing of like, this was something you're supposed to do. Um, but I think I noticed it more actually in terms of like the women's bodies are too much when I started working in this space. And, you know, I feel mm -hmm. comfortable. I want to talk about periods at a dinner party and I want to talk about it, you know, <laughs> with my father-in-law or whoever. And like totally. being able to see that reflected back to me through other people and other settings where we're still not quite there as a society is something that I'm really passionate about changing. And I think the way that we change it is just by unapologetically being like, let's go, let's talk about it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love how like, I think one of the biggest gifts of working one-on-one -on -one with a therapist or a coach or whoever is that you really begin to internalize, right? Like their spirit and their connection to what you want through that like deep one-on-one -on -one bond. And so like how beautiful that like you're giving that gift away that you grew up with and that to others. I love that. Yeah. And so um, for those people who are like, what I've, I'm on birth control and like I didn't, what's wrong with birth control? Um, I don't want to ever say like there's a right or wrong. And though I'm, I definitely have struggled healing from being on birth control for several years as I know you are. So can you talk about for you, what were, what does birth hormonal birth control do to the female body? Um, because I thought all those years I'm still getting a period because I'm bleeding if I don't take the pills for that one week. I had no idea your body is not actually ovulating or having a period. And it like breaks my heart that like I wasn't told that. Mm -hmm. um, I just had no idea. I just thought my doctor said, you're breaking out everywhere. Your periods are irregular. You have all these stomach issues. Let's take this pill. And I that's all I knew. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on with my body. So can you kind of from a professional and personal perspective share what was going on there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, to speak to the, like, nothing is right or wrong. Absolutely. Like, I just, I am not, and I'm not anti-hormonal birth control. I'm pro-information. And I just think that mm -hmm. women were actually, or women, young girls, whenever you get on the birth control pill, IUD, ring, whatever it is you're choosing, if the doctor actually laid out here are all the things that might happen. Here's what's actually happening in your body. We'd have a lot less women saying yes to it. Um, and so mm -hmm. really just like trying to, without, you know, any sort of bias, although I do have opinions, you know, that, that would just give women information. And so essentially it depends a little bit what hormonal birth control you're on, what's happening in your body. Mm -hmm. For example, it is still possible to ovulate with a hormonal IUD. Approximately 40 to 50% of women will continue to ovulate with a hormonal IUD. But one of the things that it does do is it thins your uterine lining quite significantly um, and thickens your cervical mucus. Unfortunately, some of those side effects can linger 
after you get that hormonal IUD out. And so I work with women in my practice all the time who Mm -hmm. are struggling to get pregnant six years after they've gotten off of a hormonal IUD because their lining isn't thick enough. Um, And unfortunately Mm -hmm. they don't, or, or, you know, struggle with miscarriages. And when they look, when they do studies on fertility rates after hormonal birth control, they actually don't take into account uh, miscarriages. And so Mm. anyways, lots of nuance there. So it is possible to ovulate with hormonal um, birth control, but if you're using something like the birth control pill, which is the most common form of hormonal birth control, or you're using the implant, or you're using um, a NuvaRing, you're most likely not ovulating. You're definitely not ovulating if you're on the pill um, and the implant. And when you bleed, but you do not ovulate, we don't call it a period because a period is a cycle in which ovulation occurs. We call it a breakthrough bleed or a withdrawal bleed. So a withdrawal bleed is when you have that week of white pills instead of the pink pills and you take the placebo pills and you bleed because your body is withdrawing from having its daily dose of estrogen and progesterone, which tells your body, okay, it's time to shed this uterine lining you've been building up. Um, And a breakthrough bleed is usually what happens when your body has been building up a lining and building up a lining and it recognizes like, Hey, we're not going to ovulate anytime soon. It's been too long. Let's start over. And so it'll just naturally release the lining and try to start again. Um, you know, when they actually first made the birth control pill, there were no placebo pills. They, there was just no bleeding at all. And women, when they started taking it, got really freaked out because as you can imagine, for the past thousands of years, we were never able to stop periods, right? And so women were really alarmed at the fact that they were not bleeding. And so they were like, okay, let's put in the the, the breakthrough bleed to give women a sense of normalcy because women- I didn't know that. Yeah. And that, you know, there will be, there are lots of um, birth control pills where, you know, you take them for four months at a time and without having the withdrawal week, like it's actually not necessary. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of there to help women feel that cyclical nature because it's in our nature. Uh-huh. It belongs to us. Yeah. yeah. I remember in like high school, I was on birth control, but having that right week of whatever, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> breakthrough bleeding. And I have some friends who are like athletes, dancers, and they never would have that week. They would just keep taking the pills. Um, and I remember just something felt so strange about that to me. Like, wait, real, like we can do that. Like, isn't that some, something just seemed so off. And I like, didn't take the thought further to like research, but I remember just something feeling really like scary to me when I heard that. Totally. I mean, I used to do it all the time. I remember thinking like, this is awesome. Like I'm going on a trip. I don't have to get my period, you know, like, let's just keep it going. And, uh, and looking back on it, I mean, I think there's just when you're on hormonal birth control, there's such a disconnect from your bleed because you're not actually getting all of the hormone highs that you would be getting if you were cycling naturally. So it totally makes sense to me why we feel like that really big disconnect from what's happening with our cycle. Totally. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about right what symptoms you experienced when you were on the birth control pill. I know you talked about anxiety. So I'm curious, like more specifically, what that looked like for you on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. You know, it's 
one of those things where I feel like, and I see this all the time in my practice where we as like, I'll just come into, you know, contact with people or I just felt like I was an anxious person. I'm an anxious Mm -hmm. person. I worry about things. Also a big side effect for me was my moods were just super unstable. I could go from like zero to a hundred in one second in terms of irritability. I was weepy. I was always like, you could set me off crying like that, you know, like Mm -hmm. the wrong look. And like, I would be crying. Um, And so those were my biggest symptoms. Also, I do think that the birth control pill made my IBS significantly worse. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Which is a really common side effect of that. Even actually uh, can increase risk of Crohn's and colitis. And so like for anyone who has familial history of autoimmune disease, especially IBD, should be really mindful about taking the birth control pill. It increases its your risk significantly. Um So, but yeah, for me, it mostly manifested as anxiety. I just felt like I'm anxious all the time about nothing and um, really a lot of mood swings. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what was the, if you had one, was there a moment that you like, I know you were in nutrition school and learning about female hormones and was there like a moment where you had an awakening where you were like, I need to get off of this and like took action or like you were like, I've had enough of this. Yeah, there was. And I remember, you know, I wish I can remember like what set it off. I think it had been something I had been thinking about for a while, um, Mm -hmm. for, you know, several months. And then there was just like a day where I was like, I can't have this in me anymore. Um, and I remember speaking to my partner at the time, you know, and just saying like, I'm going to get off of it. And what was so interesting to me, and we had been together for a couple years at that point, but I remember when he, his response was, he was like, yeah, I get it. I wouldn't want to put hormones in my body. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, duh. Well, you know, like what is yeah. like, like just a man's response. Just, I wouldn't want to put hormones in my body. And I was like, great. Why am I doing it? Let's go. Like I'm done. And I made an appointment, you know, a week later. I know. It's so funny when you turn it back on men sometimes and they're like, oh, right. Like if this was me, I wouldn't want that either. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sometimes you just have to go into other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm curious now, um, looking back, what was like your path originally of healing your relationship to your cycle and your hormones? And what symptoms like did you notice went away quickly and slowly in terms of the anxiety, moodiness, weepiness, IBS? Yeah. At the time, I didn't actually know that my IBS, like, like it's interesting because I was in nutrition school at the time, but we weren't specifically learning like the birth control pill does this. It was more just like, this is what your hormones should naturally be doing. And surprise, your hormones aren't actually doing anything. They're on autopilot. So it was an interesting thing that not until after I was off of the birth control pill, did I learn retroactively all of the things about anxiety and mood swings and IBS. So like that was all um, new news to me many months later. And so I don't actually remember like when I had the aha moment of like, I'm not anxious anymore. Like I don't cry that as much anymore. It just kind of happened, but I did have, you know, I worked with an herbalist 
as part of my getting off the pill journey um, to really regulate my cycle. I had really bad post-birth control acne. And as someone who got on the birth control pill very young, I had never experienced real acne. And so it was yeah. going, it was like being, you know, in seventh grade at 22 or 23. And it was, really yeah. um, and so I worked with an herbalist. I did a lot of changes to my diet and I really just dove deep into the literature and to the research and um, kind of took it from all angles because I was just so committed to have getting my cycle back. Yeah, beautiful. And was it in that time period that you were also introduced to cycle syncing? Yeah. And you know, at the time though, it wasn't called, what I was introduced to wasn't actually called cycle syncing. Cycle syncing is a term that Alyssa Vitti has registered and trademarked. And I think it does a really great job of describing it. But this was a little bit before her time that I first uh, became aware of this at the at the same around the same time this was all happening. I got involved with a really awesome organization called at the well, actually. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they're really beautiful. I've heard of them. Yeah, and I went on this uh, retreat that was where science and spirituality come together and like where women and wellness come together and met with a woman whose name is Amber Dawn. And she really opened my eyes to the world of what we now think of as cycle syncing. And when I, it was all happening around the same time. And so it really felt like a coming home, like all of the things that I had been feeling, I had a way to articulate and I had a way to see. Yeah. And she really exposed me to it from like an energetic level. And then I was able in my own practice to take it more into practical levels, um, you know, with everything as it relates to business and working out and relationships and things like that. Beautiful. And I would love to go into all of those avenues. Um, but it's funny, I had a, I had an experience where I had like intuitively no, known about cycle syncing just from when I got off birth control and living in my body for a while, right? And um, I practiced this type of yoga called Ashtanga yoga, where they would have women rest on their period and not practice. And that made a lot of sense to me. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I don't want to be like doing headstands and like, doing really intense vinyasa when I'm on my period. And I love that they just encouraged us to rest. But it wasn't for a few years later that I found literature about like what we call cycle syncing, Elisa Vitti and this book called Wild Power and Taking Control of Your Fertility and like all of these incredible books. And I remember reading them in like the library and just feeling like, oh my God, like this is how I've always felt and just so excited about this like new approach to living. And, but there was also part of me that felt so angry. Um, even though I was relatively young to find out this information, like 22, 23, I remember feeling so angry that this wasn't part of health class when I was 12. Mm -hmm. And like, why was I robbed of like all these years of knowing how to live this way? So I'm curious if you like encounter that, like do women often feel angry when they first learn about this in yeah. your practice? It's not an uncommon experience or emotion. I find it more when I am giving workshops um, and, you know, we have a really broad group of people in the room and um, 
I'll, I'll often find people just being like having like WTF moments, you know, they're just like, yeah, where was this my whole life? I've also had the privilege of working with a few teenagers um, in my practice over the past couple of mm-hmm. years. And it's been so healing to be able to pass that on to very young women and to know that yeah. I'm not going to be 30 years old sitting in one of my workshops being like, where was this when yeah. I you know when I wanted or needed it 10 years ago? But so I think it is really common to experience like frustration, anger, disappointment at the system. And I, what I do say though, is like, let that feeling come and then let it pass. Like it doesn't do anything but hurt us to feel that way. Right. Just like turn that into motivation to teach someone else about it and, you know, solve the problem for future generations. Yeah. I love that. Like, yeah. Turning that rage into like purpose to help others. Yeah, so um, I want to move into cycle syncing a little bit. And for people, again, who are like, what the heck is that? Um, Can you speak a little bit about what that is with the four phases and what's going on from like a biological, physiological perspective, um, hormonally, neurochemically, um, and also like spiritually? Absolutely. So cycle syncing is a practice where we, and you know, I'm actually in my personal practice in the way that I teach cycle awareness and cycle thinking, I've actually moved into calling it being cycle informed because I think it actually does a little bit of a more comprehensive job of describing like the ways in which we can actually use it in all of its applications. So I'll say it in this way, like being cycle informed is a practice of having such a deep understanding of what is happening in your body hormonally Um, And getting an understanding of how your biological rhythm and clock differs from that of a man's. So a male hormone cycle very closely mimics the circadian rhythm. Okay. So like, just like circadian rhythm, Mm -hmm. you know, cortisol is highest first thing in the morning and testosterone is also highest first thing in the morning. That's why men are like so good at getting up and getting shit done. Um, You know, similarly, like we, we follow this and then it like, falls throughout the day. And that's the way our days look because it's a man's cycle. Women's bodies go through that over the course of approximately 28 to, you know, 35 days, depending on what your cycle looks like. And so being cycle informed helps us when we understand what that cycle means in terms of what's happening hormonally in our body and how that's affecting us on so many different levels that we're able to inform our lifestyle around it. We're able to make choices that serve us to play to our strengths and help us have cycle superpowers. We're able to make decisions that serve us in terms of making our body the most healthy version of our body it can be and really giving us the information to uh, compensate for any time that we're not able to actually align with our cycle. And so that's why I think thinking about it in a way of cycle informed as opposed to cycle thinking is really powerful because the biggest question I get when we talk about this is like, okay, but what happens when I can't, right? When mm-hmm. like, I have to go on this trip, my sister's getting married and I'm on my period. Like how do I cycle sync that Stephanie? And like the answer is you don't sync it exactly, but you're informed enough to be able to recognize like, this is how you make this experience better you and why you might not show up in the way in which you would have if it had been two weeks prior. 
I love that. And I know you have a, I think you ju just launched your, your um, course or training um, to help women um, who are professionals to be cycle informed. Um, but I absolutely love that because right when you say cycle syncing, it kind of puts this pressure to like sync your whole life to your cycle. And unfortunately, we just don't have that much power and control over our whole lives. So I love, right, like your approach is really saying like, how do we use what we know to inform our decisions the best we can, given what life is throwing at us? That really makes a lot of sense to me. Um, because, right, we just... I've heard like people, they have their periods at their wedding, right? That's not ideal, but they end up like working it. So it's a really beautiful experience in its own way. Um, and like, you know, yes, like I hope that for the most, for 80% of our lives, we get to cycle sync them, you know, um, mm -hmm. with my wedding, I know, of course it had to be postponed, whatever, like COVID will throw some wrenches in a bunch of things, but you know, <laughs> yeah. being able to recognize I have a regular cycle now because I've done a lot of work to balance my hormones. And so I can look out on a calendar and I can count and like, make sure that I'm not planning my wedding around my period, you know, like there yeah, is that's so power. cool. There is power in that. You know, I had a girlfriend come to LA and where I was living at the time and help me uh, go wedding dress shopping. And like, she wanted to come one weekend and I knew that I was going to be on my period. I was like, I don't want to try wedding dresses on on my period. So like come two weeks later. And so I, I think that we can try and have control over what we can have control over, but you know, you shouldn't turn down an epic speaking gig because it's in your late luteal phase. So like, how should yeah. we, how can we compensate for that? How can we make you feel more prepared, even though you're not at your most articulate or energetic time? Like, what do you need to be able to compensate for the fact that that is not your biggest strength? And like, recognizing it'll leave you feeling more drained and be able to replenish your cup so much easier. Yeah, beautiful. It's like we do the best we can with the information we have. And when like something comes up, or maybe you, you planned your wedding before having this knowledge, knowing like it can be okay, you just need to implement some more self care tools. Oh, yeah. Get a really um, good mention of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I would love to hear um, specifically about each of the phases, what's going on hormonally, and like biochemically that makes them different. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and just for anyone who's listening to this, like this on its own could be like a three hour workshop. I always joke totally. with people, like whenever I teach cycle syncing and then in person, like at a retreat or, you know, at a, any sort of in-person gathering, people are always like, well, how much time do you need? I'm like, however much time you give me, I'll use, and it'll never be enough. Like we <laughs> talked about this for six hours and it wouldn't be enough. Um, so basically let's start with your menstrual phase because cycle, the first day of your cycle is the first day that you bleed. Okay. So cycle day mm -hmm. one is the first day that you bleed. And it's the first day that you bleed enough to like need to use something other than a panty liner. Okay. So sometimes that's yeah. the way that you wake up bleeding, but if you are spotting, like we don't consider that cycle day one. Um, and what is happening is your hormone levels are actually relatively low. You will get like a little bit of an estrogen peak just to tell your body to start creating, a to start uh, maturing another follicle that will become an egg that you will, you know, potentially ovulate later in the mm -hmm. month. Um, just like to prime this, this entire cycle is very primal. 
okay? This is like getting to your yeah. wild woman roots. Like all of this happens for the sole purpose of reproduction. And there's mm -hmm. so many other benefits that we can pull from it. But when it's like, when we're talking about what's happening on a biochemical level, it's very cave woman style stuff. You know, it's like, this yeah. is happening because it's like, what could be best for potential baby? Um, so mm -hmm. during this time, your right and your left side of your brain have a lot more access to each other when you're bleeding, which is a really powerful tool because it equals that sense of like gut feeling or intuition, right? Mm -hmm. And so what's happening in your brain chemistry, which by the way, can change 25% over the course of your cycle, which is super significant, mm -hmm. um, is that you have the right and left hemispheres having more open access of communication to each other. So this is like a really great time to like check in with gut feelings. And I know we can dive more into like what you should do with each cycle phase after we talk about what's happening biochemically, but that's the biggest thing to remember. Hormone levels are relatively low, but the right and left side of your brain are communicating quite a lot. A big question that I get a lot of the times is, well, if hormone levels are low, like, why do I feel like shit on my period, you know? Like, and a yeah. lot of that often has to do with proglast. I always butcher the way that I say this, prolastiglandins, which is like a, a hormone-like product that your body makes when it's dealing with inflammation. It is not actually a hormone, but it's the reason why you get period poops. It's the reason why you have bad cramps. It might be the reason why you get lightning crotch. None of these things are fun. But so if that's why you're, if you're like, I don't feel good, usually that has to do as a response to inflammation that those are high. Okay. Sometimes also if estrogen is high throughout the course of the cycle, that can lead to cycle problems, but hormone levels are the lowest. They're going to be all month while you're on your bleed. Mm -hmm. All right. And then we move into our follicular phase and our follicular phase is named the follicular phase because we're telling a follicle to grow. Your follicle is developing and your follicle is mm -hmm. a little sac that's holding your future egg. Um, and so estrogen starts to pick up, especially around day three of your cycle. And so estrogen is primarily in charge when we're, um, when we're in our follicular phase. And I like to call, uh, did I say, I think I said estrogen. If estrogen. I yeah, estrogen. Um, estrogen, I like to call her fun aunt estrogen because she <laughs> is like your fun aunt who comes to town. She's always like dressed really fun. She's like, let's go get a manicure. Like, oh my God, do you have a fake ID? Do you want to go dancing? <laughs> she's, she's like that of energy, confident, you know, really fun. I love that. But what happens when fun aunt estrogen has too much to drink at Thanksgiving dinner and she gets a little out of control, <laughs> she becomes crazy aunt estrogen, right? And mm -hmm. so we really, one of the biggest issues that I see in my practice is too much estrogen hanging out in our bodies. Um, and this can be because of alcohol, because of stressful lives, because of interactions with, um, xenoestrogens in our environment, plastics, birth controls, things like that. Um, but mm -hmm. when estrogen is good, she's great. And she rules your follicular phase. Um, and then when we move into ovulation, a lot more happens hormonally. Okay. You get a surge of a hormone called luteinizing hormone that tells your body, okay, you've been building this egg up for the past couple of months. You matured her for the past two weeks. It's time. It's go time. Let's release that egg. 
then you get a yes. then you get a little hit of testosterone because your body's like, great, there's an egg to fertilize. We want her horny. So we get that hit of testosterone, make that libido on fire, and then estrogen peaks. Estrogen gets to the highest level that she's going to get all month. Funny Aunt Estrogen is in her prime. She's like star of the show. All of these three things come together to make you feel extra confident, extra articulate, extra just feeling yourself. Sexy. Sexy, exactly. Um, and then we release this egg. What is left of the follicle becomes the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum starts producing progesterone, progestation. It is the pro-pregnancy hormone. Um, even though that egg will dissolve within approximately 24 hours if it is not fertilized, they didn't have walkie-talkies. So that follicle, <laughs> I know, I feel like I'm like, every time I, you know, talk about it, it's like a children's book, but I feel like it's the best way to understand. I was going to say that. I was going to say this needs to become a children's book now. Totally. <laughs> so they don't have walkie-talkies. And so the egg disappears, but the, the follicle or, you know, what is now the corpus luteum is still pumping out progesterone. It's like, we might be pregnant. We don't know. We mm -hmm. might be pregnant. And so it, you're producing progesterone. And so progesterone is the primary driver in terms of hormone activity during your luteal phase. And if estrogen is funny on estrogen, progesterone is uh, grandma progesterone. Okay. She <laughs> is like, you know, when grandma is like, you know, when grandma's in town and she rubs your back and before you go to bed and like everything feels okay mm -hmm. and she wants to bake bake foods with you and she just like wants to make you feel like you're the, you know, safe and protected. She doesn't want you talking yeah. to strangers. And so that's, that's progesterone energy. It's like our body thinks we might be pregnant. And from a primal perspective, it's doing everything it needs to do to protect us from any potential harm that might come to this, to mm -hmm. this growing embryo. If you are not pregnant, after approximately 10 to 14 days, your body realizes it's not pregnant finally. It halts progesterone production. It halts any leftover, any other hormones like estrogen that might be lingering a little bit. And mm -hmm. that halt in progesterone and estrogen, it tells your body it's time to bleed and then we start all over again. Wow. Stephanie, that was incredible. That literally needs to become a children's book with all of the characters. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. It was so clear and digestible for, I think, people who, like, never have heard of any of these things. I think they'll, like, really be able to visualize and understand. Good. Yeah. And so there are so many different um, parts of life that we could talk about right now from mental health, physical health, romantic partnership, sex, friendships, socializing, entrepreneurship, movement, all of these different parts of life yeah. that have different, like, we have different ways of connecting to those parts of life at different parts of the cycle, but like we don't have five days. <laughs> so I would love to hear like in general for you, like since really connecting to your cycle, what has changed for you the most um, in how you connect to life? Yeah. Oof, that's a good question. I mean, I feel fortunate in that because this is my work and my primary area of study that I feel mm -hmm. like I've gotten to 
really deepen this practice on so many levels. Yeah. I would say that, oh, this is hard. Okay. I would say that uh, the biggest impact and also the one that feels the most natural and important to me, like I'd say 90% of the time is really diet and fitness. Um, and primarily because it allows me to live in a body that feels good all the time and feels in alignment all the time, which then makes everything else in my life feel more abundant and easy. That's beautiful. And so for, you know, someone who had had really challenging periods and someone who had experienced really rough PMS and just these things that we've normalize that are really not normal, but common cycle syncing, my diet cycle syncing, my movement really changed what my body did for me over the course of my cycle and allowed me to have pain-free periods and allowed me to not experience significant PMS or really any PMS beyond like, you know, a little bit of tenderness, which is totally normal. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the biggest changes I would say for that is before my bleed, I, I personally um, think that red meat is like very critical to, to women's health. Um, I know that I differ with other people on that and that's fine. I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone about that. But for me, uh, prioritizing uh, red meat intake right before my bleed, during my bleed and right after my bleed helps me keep my energy levels awesome. Um, and like really, really nourishes and replenishes my body's need for iron. I focus a lot on seaweed and other trace mineral rich foods during my bleed and right after my bleed as well. Because, you know, again, everything we do is for that potential baby. And it's really annoying because we eat all this amazing food all month and we get all these minerals and then our body sends a lot of it to our uterine lining because it thinks it's going to be nourishing an embryo, but really we just bleed it out. And so replenishing that every month keeps my adrenals really happy, keeps my energy really solid. Um, And then also prioritizing warm foods really keeps me warm and like temperature and also warm and energy. So spices, for example, can be warm um, and warming for the body while also like having soups and stews and only cooked foods helps me Mm -hmm. not have cramps and it helps me also have really great digestion while I'm bleeding. Um, And so that's been really, really something that has been super impactful in my life and feels really doable, right? I think for a lot of people, cycle syncing or being cycle informed can feel so large Mm -hmm. where it's like, great, let's just start with something you do three times a day anyways. Like, how can Mm -hmm. we make this, make this feel better for you? Totally. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about it. And I know Alyssa Vitti talks about like seeing these um, phases of seasons and it kind of makes sense, right? Like if your menstrual phase is winter, you're going to be having more warm cooked baked foods that are going to feel really nourishing. And when you're ovulating, which is like summer, you can be a little bit looser with having, um, smoothies, salads, that, but I, I do know you differ a little bit in like emphasizing the importance of like eating seasonally and locally versus so much by phase. Do you still yeah. feel that way? 135 million percent. I, I love, I love her. I think she has done so much to bring awareness to this topic and mm-hmm. like 
give her so much respect and, you know, uh, appreciation. And like I said, I also was exposed to a lot of this before I ever knew who she was. And so I actually, right. funny enough, my seasons differ from hers. Um, and I think, Interesting. and I think mine makes so much more sense. And like, I teach mine and every once in a while I'll have someone in my group who's like, that's different than what I've learned. And I'm <laughs> like, awesome. But you know, for me, like I think of, um, I think of our menstrual phase as autumn because the shedding of the lining is like so, like if, if we all took an apple tree, oh, yeah. right? Like the shedding of our leaves, the shedding of our lining, like it, yes, it's like we still go, it's not necessarily hibernation, but like we still go and like get cozy in the fall, right? It's like that time where totally. we start to go inward. Um, and then our follicular phase from like a, when you're taking your basal body temperature, which is a really great alternative for birth control, if you don't want to use hormones, mm-hmm. it's your cool phase, your follicular phase. It's like when you're in cold temperatures relative to where you're going to uh-huh. be later in the month. And then ovulation is spring, like when everything is in bloom, like when the flowers bloom on an apple tree and they're about to be fertilized. And then summer yeah. is when we start to see that fruit and, um, and like our luteal phase, you know, I think of it as like a little bit of, it's not like spring break summer, you know, like, woo, like crazy, but, yeah. it, um, but it's like, you know, I think of ovulation as the time where we're like coming out in spring after like winter and we're like ready to go. And then, uh, summer is like the summer grandma progesterone came to town and she yes. like wanted us to stay close to home and like cook with her. <laughs> I love that. That does make a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that, that way of looking at it. Cause yeah, that makes, I love what, especially with autumn and the shedding of the leaves and our lining that, that really like aligns beautifully. Totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, like anyone who follows, you know, in woman code or flow and looks at, you know, the charts yeah. and like what foods to eat, like, great. I think that's an amazing place to start. I do think that, you know, just eating a red pepper because it's like the right time of your month. Like if that red pepper came from Mexico and like, you know, like you're eating it because the vitamin C content is high and that's going to help you not have PMS. It's like, well, if that came all the way from Mexico in the middle of winter, it doesn't have any vitamin C left in it by the time it gets to your kitchen anyways. So always prioritizing eating locally when possible. Totally. hundred percent. And the other part you said really helped you most was um, movement and fitness. And that was when I read the book, I was like, oh yeah, this also makes a ton of sense. I've known this intuitively forever, but now like I can give myself permission fully to do it. Of course, we can always give ourselves permission to listen to our bodies, ideally. But I remember just reading it and I was like, okay, I'm really going to start doing this now. So can you talk about that for you? Yeah, I think, I mean initially it probably came from a bit of a like a vain place like it just made it really easy to manage you know my manage my weight not have to worry about working out like it just like made it easy from that perspective Mm -hmm. to to work out in a way that didn't drain me and felt good um and now I think about it way more as I dove deeper into the literature and to research and under have a better understanding of it it, it actually protects your energy over the mm-hmm. course of the month. Um, and for me as an entrepreneur, for me as, you know, as everyone, as every role I show up in in my life, the thing that I am most grateful for is my energy. 
And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I truly feel like I have a limitless amount of energy. Like I'm just like the energizer mm-hmm. bunny. And, you know, because this is my existence, I know that this isn't normal for everyone because I work with a lot of women who come to me and they say, I would love more energy, but I truly feel like because I nourish my body appropriately according to my cycle and because I don't work out in ways that are not appropriate to my cycle, that energy remains solid because my adrenals are happy, even when I'm working and when I'm multi, you know, like when I'm doing all of these things, because I'm not exercise is stress. It's good stress, but exercise is stress. Right. And when we, when women try to work out like men, it stresses our adrenals too much. And so really mm-hmm. cycling through it and recognizing when is the right time in the month to do more high intensity, what is the right time in the month to slow it down. And also like, being able to hack it a little bit further. And I don't usually tell people this because, and I oftentimes I'll joke, I'll be like, I'll deny it if you say I said it, but, <laughs> but here's the sneak peek for you. Aaron. You'll tell us the secret <laughs> yeah, here's the for you and your listeners um, is that, you know, we actually like in our luteal phase, the second half of our luteal phase, we really should start to slow it down to protect our energy. And that being said, if you're looking to burn fat, the best time to go hard is in your luteal phase because your metabolism is already hyped up. And so like Uh being able to recognize like getting ready for your wedding or things like that. Like if you're doing it in a short contained way, having some of that Uh understanding and being like, okay, like if my energy feels up for it, I'm going to go to Barry's three times this week. And like, I'm going to get so much (laughs) more bang for my buck than if I went a week and a half later. And so um, really just empowering to be able to have all of that information and protect my energy while also feeling really good in my body. Totally. I I remember Elisa Vitti shared this like example, like she had a triathlete who was running like miles and miles and miles a day and abs and core and all the things, but was gaining tons of weight. And it just shows, right? Like we're not, we don't have the same bodies as men. Mm -hmm. So we can't work out like men and expect the result that they get. Yeah. It's just not going to work. No. And, you know, it's also just so exciting for women when they're like, oh, you mean I don't have to kill myself at the gym every single day? Like, no. (laughs) Totally. Like, let's biohack this, babe. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So for listeners, it's like, so when you're on your menstrual cycle, when you're bleeding, really prioritize sleep, rest, maybe some gentle yin yoga, if you feel up for it, some gentle walks, Um, follicular Um, you can start to build up a little bit, right? Like doing a little bit more high intensity or cardio, if that feels good. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. And one thing I'll just add to the menstrual phase is like a heated yin class is like truly Mm -hmm. primo because your body is cool and like loves that warmth. So if you can find Mm -hmm. a heated yin, go for it. Um, Yeah. In your follicular phase, uh, the way, really simple way to break it down for people, first half of your cycle metabolism is slowed a little bit. Okay. Second Mm -hmm. half of your cycle, metabolism is already bumped up. You burn an extra like 80 to 280 calories a day, just sitting on your tushy. So for the (laughs) first half of your cycle, we want to do things that like ramp up that metabolism. So thinking about after you're done bleeding, more cardio, more things that are just like getting you moving. All right. More quickly Uh bringing more heat. In the second half of our cycle, we don't need that cardio as much because we're already warmed up. 
And so your like your metabolic rate actually heats up due to the progesterone, which is why you see that temperature spike if you're doing fertility awareness method. And so that's when you can prioritize more strength training um, and like really Mm -hmm. get the best of both worlds um, over the course of your cycle instead of in the course of one workout, which is how maybe a lot of people were taught to work out, do a little bit of cardio and then lift weights. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. It just like, it brings so much joy to my heart. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. So I want to be conscious of our time. I really would love to kind of dive in to your spiritual practice and your connection to the divine feminine, what that looks like throughout your cycle and like how your connection to divine femme has like evolved through your last several years through your practice Mm, juicy questions Raina love it yeah (laughs) Um, yeah you know I think actually we can incorporate some cycle informed in this too the more I started bringing that awareness to my mindfulness practices like I cycle sync my meditation I cycle sync how I spend what I call me time, right? Where like not every day does my spiritual practice look the same, but every day I have time and space for myself to connect in whatever way feels appropriate. And like some mornings that will be laying in my bed with my, you know, feet in butterfly pose and my hand over my womb space, just saying like, thank you God for making me a woman and like Mm -hmm. reading for 20 minutes afterwards. And sometimes that'll look like, doing a long seated silent meditation, right? Like I think it can look different every way, but the more that I've started cycle informing that, the deeper I felt in terms of connection to what I identify as spirit um, and what really feels like my divine feminine, my Shekhinah. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's, I think how it's really evolved for me. And that like, I used to just kind of like force myself to do the same thing every day because I thought that that's how I was going to become more in touch with the oneness of the world was, you know, by sitting in this meditation for this amount of time. And now I really allow myself to guide that based on what she wants, what I want and what feels appropriate for where I'm at. Yeah. I love that. It's interesting. And I just finished my, or I'm finishing my bleed now, as I just told you, but this was the first time where I usually do Wim Hof breath work every single morning and then do like a, 12 to 20 minute meditation but I was like there's something about Wim Hof which is like you're putting your body again into this stress state with breathing which is great normally but it just didn't feel aligned with like being on my bleed I'm curious to hear your perspective on that also so I did exactly what you did I and I didn't even do my like sitting meditation I did butterfly pose in bed hand on the womb hand on my heart listen to like guided menstrual meditations on YouTube multiple times a day And that was like so liberating for me. And again, just this way of honoring like the reality of where my mind and body is in the cycle and like what my spirit needs at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it, babe. Like, you know, nothing against Wim Hof and our, (laughs) our biggest gift during our menstrual phase is one of two things. One is like when things are in alignment and balance is like oftentimes like a deep feeling of stillness and relaxation and like inner peace. And so like Mm -hmm. stress the body in that time, as opposed to like taking advantage of just that natural calm 
it's 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 almost yeah. jarring for that adrenal system. Whereas you know that Wim Hof breath work might be really better suited for late follicular ovulation, maybe early luteal when you've got more to give. Um, yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And what are some other like self-care practices that you implement at different times of your cycle that really feel good for you? Yeah, I am a weirdo kind of. And like, not that I don't love baths, <laughs> but more than a bath, I like to lay in the bathtub with hot water, like on the shower coming at me. Oh, wow. If you haven't <laughs> tried it, it's the best thing ever. I think that I really learned it from the birth world because a lot of times, mm -hmm. like, there'll be showers but not baths, and, like, women will labor in the shower. It is amazing. And so, like, that is something that I really do for myself while I'm on my bleed and uh, leading into my bleed. Again, our body likes the warmth. And it's like a massage and a bath at the same time because, like, the shower pressure <laughs> yeah. is falling on you. It's just the best thing ever. So that is, like, a huge self-care thing that I do. And, you know, I do really – and, of course, I started with a bath slash shower. But I really think self-care is so much more than – like having a spa night, you know, it's really like doing the things that maybe aren't always easy, but are like with our best interests in mind yeah. and, or for almost like the delayed gratification sometimes. And so going back to it, I know it kind of sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but uh, like nourishing myself properly is like the self-care mm -hmm. that I go back to all the time. And I think a lot of people would probably think of like the self-care as like having the cookie or like going out to eat when you don't feel like cooking. And sometimes that's appropriate, but also real self-care is really taking care of yourself. Um, and right. even when it's, you know, kind of challenging. And so that's, I think the biggest thing that I go back to all throughout my cycle. And, you know, the, the only other big thing is like taking me time when it's appropriate. And I take a lot of time for myself. I don't overcommit. I say no to things quite frequently for my bleed because I know that they'll drain me and I would just want to have that right. time to recharge. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love, again, like how you just have evolved this over time to like match your different needs. Um, I'm curious about something. I, I'm wondering if you ever struggled with body image and I, you work with a lot of women. And so I'm sure you see this in your practice and how like connecting to your body through the cyclical way has transformed that. And I just ask, cause for me personally, um, so I, used to have severe anorexia and obviously had a lot of body dysmorphia, body image problems. And this practice was one of the things that really was like a catalyst in my recovery of like surrendering to like that I am a woman. I have this like incredible body and like the knowledge of what it can do and what it does do every month was just so deeply healing and learning how to nourish it properly and take care of it properly was just like filled that void um, and became this replacement for like the harm I had been inflicting in such a powerful way and surrendering to that divine femme. Yeah. I'm curious if you've noticed that either in yourself or with your clients. Yeah. Uh, Raina, I feel like in so many ways you and I have lived a very similar life. We're like soul people in some way. I, <laughs> yeah. I too struggled with primarily bulimia, but a little bit of anorexia back in the day. Um, and when I was in high school and my parents found out that I was bulimic, I went to a therapist 
actually. And she, and I'll never forget this. She said to me, she like, I know had me do some mirror work and like tell her what I see. And definitely I was struggling right. with body image at the time I was tiny um, and mm-hmm. did not feel that way. And mm-hmm. I remember her, her holding my stomach, like holding my stomach and saying, all of your organs have to fit in here. Like, you know, and named all of the organs that fit in there. And she was like, one day this like is going to need to hold a baby. And of course, you know, back in the day that wasn't like considered presumptuous or whatever, but like, she just kind of like, like shocked me. She like held me and like shook me almost. And was like, like there needs to be some, some oomph here to be able to hold all of your organs and to healthily hold you. And something clicked in my mind when she said that. And I've really, um, it's really helped me with my body image practice. And I think the more that mm-hmm. I'm connected with understanding cycle thinking and, you know, I too, we talked about, you know, the triathlete, like I see women a lot who are exercising themselves out of a period who are exercising yeah. themselves out of ovulation. Um, and I think a lot of what we would consider in our society, like perfect, right? Like the perfect Instagram body, the like thing that we're, everyone is like striving for that's having so sure. many young women, especially struggling with body image is not actually your healthiest or most fertile or most. And again, no. fertility only as a tool of measuring how healthy you are, like is not your most period, healthy, hormone, happy body. Um, mm-hmm. And so I do see this a lot. And you know, it's been really powerful to see it healed on the other side. I had a one-on-one client who we were working together to balance her hormones and help her get ready before she wanted to get pregnant. And she was approximately five pounds heavier than she normally was. was. Mm-hmm. And really, it was something she was struggling with. And we really worked to get her to a point where she was saying, like, if this is where my body feels happiest and my period feels happiest, like, I'm going to surrender into that. And she was able to get pregnant the first month that they tried. And it was something that was just so powerful because it was like, this is like your healthy body and like stop comparing it to something that didn't serve you because you weren't cycling properly. Yeah. Oh, Steph, thank you so much. That is all so beautiful. Thank you for like your vulnerability and sharing that. And yeah, I had a very similar experience and like, you know, it was years of this anorexic cycle and eventually like I had lost my period. I was having amenorrhea for like so many years and my therapist was like, you want to be a mom. Like I, you've talked about this so much. You love babies. You want to be a mom. What do you think you're doing, right? If you're going to continue this and that really shook me in that same way of like connecting to my values and then right, like learning about the feminine way and like anorexia to me is like such a disease of masculine like the masculine gone rogue and Mm -hmm. always doing and it's this intense fear of change at the end of the day at least for me like this intense fear of my body changing in any way and so learning about the cycle and how my body is actually changing like every week in this miraculous way to be able to right if, if I want to get pregnant one day it was just so deeply healing and you know maybe I would I'm just having visions of us one day doing like a group with with young girls struggling with eating disorders to help them through this path because I think right there's so much to to it and so much it can offer in healing from from an eating disorder I couldn't agree more honey let's bring that into the world I'm so so happy that you were able to extrapolate that that 
divine download and message and be able to heal not just yourself, but like, that's like healing generations of, of trauma and like future Mm -hmm. or also future children. I mean, like that's really, really powerful stuff. So kudos and congratulations. And I'm so excited that you have been able to embody truly so much of what being cycle informed means. Thank you so much. This has been beautiful. Of course, we didn't have time for many of my questions or rapid fires, which is fine. It means the conversation was all flowing. But um, one just question. Me like your favorite rapid. Okay. The one I've been just, I ask everyone because I need to get it in is a book that you think everyone should read. Oh my God. That's so hard. Okay. Just a little bit of background. I, I read 55 books last year. Like I love, oh my God. love to read. And like, that's like asking me to, <laughs> I don't know, like pick my favorite child, like, and kill everyone. <laughs> um, I know um, you can give a few if you need to, I give you permission. <laughs> a book that everyone needs to read. Oh my God. This is so hard. Um, I'm gonna go. Little, <laughs> I'm gonna go a little rogue because okay. I think that everyone's gonna expect me to give them something like taking charge of your fertility or woman code or you know something like that. But we'll I, put those in the show notes too. You can have creative freedom with this one. <laughs> um, and also, like, yes, and I really think that the power of fiction is like phenomenal Mm -hmm. like it just takes us to like another place um and so oh god I can't believe I'm struggling so much with this I'm embarrassed um okay (laughs) you love historical fiction right I love historical fiction yeah yes I honestly feel like everyone needs to read Shantaram probably like it's just what's that oh my god girl you're gonna love it um <laughs> is it's it's long so be prepared but it's like just okay. a really cool a little bit masculine but really cool book it's this guy who lives in India like it's just I don't want to like say too much because I don't want to ruin it but it's okay. really good really interesting um everyone should probably read Chantaram I'll throw in there like the women who women who run with wolves like that's a good mm-hmm. one um, and then um like looking at my bookshelf <laughs> Okay, it's a little weird, but I think Wild Swans, maybe, which is What's that? a story of, like, now that I got her talking about books, she can't shut up. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a story about three women in the same family, like a matriarchal line in China. Mm-hmm. And, like, as someone who loves historical fiction, like, you learn so much about China from, like, everything from, like, the imperial age, like, all the way, all the way through the Cultural Revolution. And it's a true story based on this one, the author's um, family history. And it's just, like, a powerful look at women and, like, what women can accomplish and achieve and also endure during times of, like, what we can't even imagine in terms of stress um, and just, like, a really neat book. So, and like also this answer would change if you asked me tomorrow and this answer would change. (laughs) Of course. So if anyone is (laughs) super random, Stephanie, just send me a DM and we can talk about books all day. (laughs) Talk about books. Amazing. I was a creative writing minor in college. So like writing, reading is like my other love. 
besides like women's wellness and health. So I'm yeah, gonna go I always need to go Goodreads. for books. <laughs> I said, I'm you're going to go for what? I'm going to go follow you on Goodreads. <laughs> I don't have a Goodreads. I need to make one. Raina. <laughs> <laughs> I know people have told me this. I just like, I make at the beginning of the year, like a list of books that I like have on my notebook. So, but I can tech up a little bit there. Digitize it just so we can all benefit from it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, it looks super fun. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll have to have you on again one day so we can get to the rest of the questions. But you are truly incredible. Thank you so, so much for being on. This was such a beautiful episode. So informative. And, you know, we really get a window into how you got here. So thank you. It was an honor, love. I'm so grateful to have been here. Thank you so much for having me, for being a light for women in so many, so many ways. Thank you. So much love. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lotus Minded. I am beyond grateful to have you as a part of this beautiful community. It would mean the world to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to Lotus Minded so that we can continue to share stories of strength, hope, and healing. Much love until next time.